Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meat at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter, at wide jump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. And we're back. It's another Wednesday. Maybe not as you're listening, but it's another Wednesday right now for us. We have returned once again to talk about sports that actually there are some going on. I was going to say sports that aren't going on, but right now there are some going on, believe it or not. And we're going to get into it. We're going to talk a lot about sports from then, sports from now. And uh, we may break a rule tonight. I always said there was a rule that we'd never talk about the goats, the goat conversation. But I think we have to tonight. So we'll dive into that. But joining me as always, he is the goat of Canada. And by that, God I mean, they, God, that means he'll eat anything. God damn right. Cans, cans, grass, barbed wire. You'll eat anything. Moose, yes. Yes. Women. He doesn't care. Them too. The one and only. The Canadian icon. The man, the myth, the Canadian legend. Hide your pasta, Tim Dombrova. Well, it's no fun living during a government enforced shutdown. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But we're starting to open up a little bit. Things are kind of getting back to normal. I, here's how I know. Here's how I know. I went out in the, the beautiful area in which I live, and that wonderful, terrible B.O. smell is back in the air. So I know we're back to somewhat normal. Here yeah, in my okay. area, so okay, I'm gonna bite. Why does your area smell like male sweat? What, what's that about? Because people here stink. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there, there was no. That, I wasn't trying to hide it. I wasn't trying to be clever. <laughs> I'm just pointing out they smell bad. Well, I thought you were maybe maybe making some veiled reference to some. No. I don't know. But, <laughs> But something something started up in the springtime, you know, no. melting snow. It just, it just smells bad. It's all that people, still runoff or something like that. I, a lot I, of people need to shower. That's what I'm hitting at. So. Oh. Well, they've been indoors for months. They should be sparkling clean, you'd think. Please. 
I guess you got these are the kind of people. These are the kind of people that look at you and say, "I shower once a week, whether I need it or not." So I guess you, I guess it helps to have running water in your house. You know, you'd be surprised that in the area I live, there are some people that do not have running water in their house. There's, there's still a few. Not, I mean, not in the city, but there, there are some further outlying people that don't have. Still working on the outhouse and the uh, bucket sink and that sort of thing off well, the grid. It's kind of funny living here and having a son who's getting close to the age of potty training, which I'm not looking forward to, but it must be done. Um, one way to potty train a youngster out in the country or in rural areas where there's not many neighbors or you know no neighbors in some cases is uh, the great art of pissing off the porch. Which is which is highly which is highly adaptive here, and we'll start with a child at a young age, and we'll continue till they die. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, I have absolutely no problem with the uh, deck urinating. I just don't think that's either. a good way. I just don't think it's a good way to teach them though. You teach them to use it first, <laughs> and then you teach them. Once they once they think that you've uh, you know you've come down with a hammer and you're a slave driver because you make them use the toilet, then you introduce them to the, the marvels of you know you can just walk outside and pretty much hang it anywhere as long as you're not in public. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a watch grass or the, dirt. Uh, watch, watch out for uh, the dogs at least, right? Well, or, uh, murder hornets or snapping turtles. <laughs> snapping turtles. I think that's a more realistic. Uh, Small snakes, birds. We've got we got snapping turtles up here. Had one outside the other day, and the dogs were going crazy. They were trying to attack it, and uh, this poor turtle, bless his heart, he was just trying to trying to get across the yard, and the dogs weren't having it. I was like, oh, poor little guy, he was trying to get over. No, I take it you have some type of uh, moving water or or body of water near the house. Oh yeah, it's West Virginia. There's water everywhere. So that, there is some tr- there is some truth to that rumor that uh, the local hairstylist is being uh, fined for uh, dumping uh, red dye into the uh, creek near where you live. <laughs> it's very likely. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. Oh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even. I, I mean, what what kind of a crazy person would you know dye their hair every week and a half? But yeah, wow. <laughs> you know, actually, true story. They they did down here in one of our rivers. Um, they caught some. Uh, they caught one of the local hospitals uh, dumping uh, dead body remains in the river. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this was a long time ago. Well, Don't get me wrong. Still. <laughs> like this, I mean, this well, didn't happen I mean, recently. This was years ago. Yeah, okay, but if I mean, if you can drag them out to a body of water and throw them in, like you can't just dig a hole. No, and throw no, them the, in? the, the mean, hospital, that's the, the hospital is located on the banks of the river. Like oh, you could open a window that. and just push them out. Oh, <laughs> you okay, all right. Well, okay. I mean, I'm all for cutbacks. You know. <laughs> we gotta pinch a penny any way we can. I mean, uh, I mean, sucker fish have got to eat too. I mean, there's there's microbes and. Well, there were some weird looking fish in that water for a long some, time. Some of, some of those three eyed Simpson fish. You ever watch? You ever watch Cloverfield? Like smaller versions of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. That's pretty. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they were mean. 
Nobody swam in the river. Nobody (laughs) swam in the river around here. I mean, I don't want to talk bad about, you know, the state of West Virginia. I've made a lot of good friends there, but golly. I mean, that's... uh... Well, I'll quote President Kennedy in 1963. The sun doesn't always shine in West Virginia, but the people sure do. And if you need to shine here in West Virginia and you feel you've been wronged, you can contact one of the best West You know what? He's the best lawyer in West Virginia. Hands down, no doubt, it's our man, Stephen P. New, from the law offices of Stephen P. New. You need to get in touch with Stephen P. New and go out, and he will fight for you and your rights. Stephen P. New, he's a real American, fights for the rights of every man. He's a real American, fights for our rights, fights for our lives. That'd be a good song. Stephen P. New, check him out. Uh, I talked to Steve actually today, and uh, he has requested uh, he wants to come back on the show soon. So we're fingers oh, crossed oh. we can get Steve on and uh, we, talk a little he, bit. He, doesn't he owe us an appearance? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but he did when say he, he wanted to he, come back on soon. Well, he had to know show, so he's kind of actually minus one. Well, he's been, he, yeah, listen, <laughs> with Steve New, I never, I never oh, hold that what? man to anything because he is so busy. But he's such a he's such a nice guy, such a giving guy, Steve, and Stephen P. New can do whatever he wants as far as our podcast is concerned because after all, he owns it. So <laughs> basically, very <laughs> <laughs> much. <laughs> Let's hear some more from Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accident mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation a new level of personal service. Whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. And again, thanks to the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Check them out when you can. Great legal representation. The best lawyer in the state of West Virginia. Back on the show this week yet again. He's uh, getting to be kind of like the furniture around here. He's always here. It's Jeff. Welcome back to the show. Word out the welcome, guys, I believe. Nah, never. No. You're not Tom Tom Robinson. We actually have gotten um, a message or two requesting that you you they want you on the T-shirt. Yeah, oh, no, apparently no. you're uh, apparently you're wanted on the T-shirt, uh, and you're now apparently the new third wheel here. So oh, welcome uh, aboard. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, hearty fuck you too, Jeff. Well, gee, Jeff, fun. You don't want to come hang out? No, yeah, where's that fucking mute button at? That's over here. Yeah, we won't. Uh, won't invite Jeff to the Christmas parties. You know me, I like to have, uh, I come and go as I please. I don't know if I should hit and run well, guy, take, you know. 
Jeff, Jeff's oh, the Rodman here. He just needs time. He just gotta <laughs> gotta go to Vegas for the weekend, you know. Gotta go to uh-huh. NWA, NWA with Hogan. Yeah, take a chair. Is take a chair to DDP. Well, everybody like was that. talking about that. They were talking about Rodman went to a wrestling match. Rodman was having a wrestling match instead of being at practice. No, he wasn't. He was just on Nitro. He didn't wrestle. Good Lord, he hit a guy with a chair. Come on. And, and by the way, we're making a big deal about this. Yeah, it, it's. Let me just bring. Hold on, I got a guy that can say it better than anybody. Go ahead. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. There you go. Uh, AI, not not a what? AI, what now? Not a what? I mean, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game. Oh, not a game. Oh, okay. We talking about practice. I was unclear, but apparently not a game. <laughs> hey, I'll clear that up for you. Uh, but let's go ahead. Let's dive into it here. It's it's what the people want to hear. The Last Dance. Uh, the final two episodes aired Sunday night, where we we look at the Chicago Bulls ten part documentary series, which will win awards because it was perfect. As far as I'm concerned, I felt it was perfect. It covered everything in such great detail. Now, it's a little misleading here and there, in my opinion, because if you go into this thinking, okay, this is a documentary on the Bulls themselves. Yeah, kind of. Not really. Kind of. Not really, but kind of. This is a documentary about Michael Jordan. Let's, Let's just be frank about that. This is about Michael. And the reason why I think is because there's never been a documentary like this about Michael in any way. So this was about Michael and, and there was some, and there was parts of different episodes where it was like, okay, we're going to talk about Rodman. Now we're going to talk about Pippen. Now we're going to talk about, you know, Horace Grant. We're going to talk about Steve Kerr. We're going to talk about Tony Kukoc. But at the end of the day, it all came back to Michael Jordan. So last two episodes, we'll start with Tim. You go ahead and start. What'd you think of the last two episodes? Well, I only just watched them, and I had to watch them in a hurry, so my thoughts are still being formed. Um, Again, still very striking that uh, uh, Michael just uh, ain't got no time for losing in any way, shape, or form. Um, The whole Steve Kerr thing was kind of interesting. Not so much the Michael Jordan-Steve Kerr thing, but the Steve Kerr thing generally. I think I was aware of that, but it kind of just sort of pushed it on the back burner that his dad was killed the way he was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I actually didn't know that, truthfully. I, I didn't. I didn't know he uh, – I didn't know that story. Yeah, go ahead. the way to, get, to go. Um, I was left with a couple of uh, – I, I kind of, after the first eight, I kind of figured, all right, the bad guy in in this is kind of um, not on the Bulls, but generally speaking, was Isaiah Thomas and, and Lambeer were kind of the bad guys. Then they kind of pointed the gun at Reggie Miller and took a few shots, um, although Reggie's convinced that the Pacers were still are better than the Bulls were, uh, even though he has no proof. Um I don't know, just again, a very bizarre look at the behind the scenes. Uh, and and then, of course, what I, what I want to talk about more is what came out after. 
that uh, Horace Grant again calling uh, Michael Jordan's a liar. Uh, half of what was said on there never happened. Blah 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 blah. Uh, nobody else seems to have that opinion except for him. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> that relationship's well, a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay, but he but he should, I mean Jordan shit all over everybody. And most of them have kind of come to the conclusion that, yeah, okay, yeah, he's a bit of a jerk as a teammate, but he just wanted to win. At least his his reasons for being a jerk were never personal ones, you know, that I just don't like you or whatever. It was always about basketball, court, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, say what you want. They, they won. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how else you can measure it. You know, like even like the Rodman thing, okay, well, oh, what a guy let down his teammates. What did they do? Did they practice? They beat them with, uh, like, pool noodles, basically, I guess. That was his punishment. Like, they obviously <laughs> did Yeah, something along those lines. Like, they obviously didn't care that much. I mean, it didn't affect what he did on the court the next night. So, who cares? I mean, that's kind of the magic. That's what I'm really taking away from this thing. It's the whole magic of the of that team and their run and all of that was their ability to take guys who were all very different players, different personalities, and somehow hated the, hated the general manager, didn't like the ownership, sort of didn't like each other to some degree, and yet somehow on the court, none of that mattered. And they got it done. Although barely the last time. Jeff, what's your thoughts, kind of as a broad look here at at the last two episodes, and then we'll start going into a lot more detail. Um, I, the connect, um, the connection with uh, Tim touched on a little bit with uh, Kerr, his father. They both, Jordan and Kerr both lost their father tragically, and uh, although they, I think Kerr even said they never really talked about it, uh, but I, I think that they could relate to. Uh, each other, and uh, they're even after their fight, they it seemed like they got closer. Uh, it seemed like anybody yeah. could trust him more. Um, I, you know, the Pacers, the '98 Pacers, um, they did have a good team. Uh, Very they had good brothers. They had Rick Smith. They had Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller, and Jalen Rose. I mean, those were Chris Mullen. Uh, Chris Mullen, yeah, I can't forget him. Uh, you know, they didn't have their major superstar, but they just had a good team, kind of like, you know, the 04 Pistons. And, um, you know, I guess, I don't know if you could call Reggie a major superstar, but he was, I mean, he was good. Um, but, uh, yeah, here's I mean, a, here's they, a look. They, they put them on the brink, man. <laughs> here's, a, here's a look at their roster in 97-98. Travis Best, um, Idrick Bahanan, Austin Crozier, Antonio and Dell Davis, Fred Hoiberg, Mark Jackson, Derek McKee, Reggie Miller, Smullen, Mark Pope, Jalen Rose, Rick Smith, Mark West. Um, and at the time, you had, you know, Chris Mullen was a 12-year veteran from St. John. Reggie Miller was a 10 years in from UCLA. Um, Derek McKee was in 10 years. Mark Jackson had played 10 years. Jalen Rose was just in his third year out of Michigan with the Fab Five. Smith was in for nine years. I mean, you had a – this wasn't just a, a team that was like, okay, they're 
just a uh, a bunch of young guys who are playing above their heads. This was an experienced team, very very experienced team when they came into the league. They finished with a fifty eight and twenty four record. Uh, this was Larry Bird's first year coaching. They averaged ninety six points a game. They held opponents to ninety points per game, which was fifth uh, in the league at that time. So these guys were very good and a very good team. And, you know, they beat uh, Cleveland in the first round three games to one. They beat the New York Knicks four games to one in the semis, and then they take the Bulls to seven, which that didn't happen very often. You didn't see Chicago play seven games. The only time during their championship run, I believe, that they had set a game – Another game seven, I believe, was ninety-two with the Knicks. I think it went seven games. Yeah, I believe uh, you're right. I think it, I think it was in the either Eastern Conference. I think it was in the Eastern Conference Finals, but that's the only other time they never went to seven games in any of their finals. Yeah, all of them were but, five. I think five of them went six games, and I think one went five. But yeah, I mean, it's just been a. It, it, they were a very good team. I like that Pacers team a lot, actually. Uh, I always liked Reggie Miller. I think that Jalen Rose was a very good player. Um, I don't think he got his just dues. And again, Michael, I, I'll say this. Whoever won that series was winning the championship, in my opinion. And, and that's not to disrespect um, the Jazz. And we'll talk more about them in a minute. Um you're looking at two teams of the highest caliber. I think the Jazz were good. I don't know if they could have beat the Pacers. Maybe they could have. I don't know. I personally think that whomever won that series was winning the the championship. I don't know how you guys feel about that. What, 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 go ahead, Jeff. Uh, uh, it would have been the Pacers' first finals. The Jazz had been experienced. I kind of think, I think it would have been a toss-up, really. Uh, you know, but they, you might. I mean, the Jazz would have had a home court. Uh, obviously, they they had it against the Bulls that series. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think the Jazz would have won in six. But like you said, who, who you'll never know. But I mean, the Pacers definitely. They had a good coach. The Jazz had. Jerry Sloan was a good coach. He was one of your hard nose, and he's and his uh, he, he's got a banner in the, uh, uh, his. I think his numbers retired in Chicago as well when he played. I mean, he was a hard nosed mm-hmm. player back when he played. So uh, for the Bulls, uh, but uh, I thought what was interesting about him was uh, during the, the flu game was misnamed. Obviously, it should have been the food poison game. Uh, I'm sure you will want to talk about that later. Uh, Mm-hmm. But he didn't even know uh, Jordan was sick, and you know why? <laughs> Probably because he didn't he didn't appear sick. I mean, the guy had thirty eight points. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, let's go ask him about the Pacers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent correct on this, but after watching it and the whole thing, it always kind of seemed to me that the other teams, their good players, would show up for a game or two. And then they would not disappear, but they wouldn't win games. Like, uh, for instance, Carl Malone kind of disappears for uh, uh, the first two games of the 98 final. 
where he doesn't really do much suits. He even missed a layup in game two, I believe. You know, stuff that he wouldn't normally do. Whereas Chicago, I mean, Michael would have a bad game, what, one in 20 or more? And, and otherwise, you know, when, he, when they needed to win, their best player got it done for them. And the other teams just, I mean, Reggie Miller would have a good game or one great one and then two or three decent ones, but not enough to ever take them over the top. Whereas the Bulls always, well, they always had Michael, and when they really needed it, he would pour it on sick, food poisoning as the theory goes now, which was a new revelation for me. Um, I don't think it was new for everybody. Well, some guy, I saw some guy who actually worked there had some comments that it said it wouldn't surprise me, said because they hated him. A couple of guys that worked there just didn't, weren't just jazz fans, but they actually hated him. So you never can't rule out the crazy fan. But anyway, I, I just always kind of felt like hey, Michael Jordan was just always, could always figure out a way to do that little bit extra to win. And the other guys didn't. And that was the difference. Yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where you look at Michael Jordan and you say, after all this time, you say, how could he strengthen that legacy even more? And then you see it, and Jordan comes out, and I'm like, that's '97, I believe, is the the flu game, was it not? Yeah. Game five. Okay. Yeah. Game five ninety seven and and that's a pivotal game because you got to remember yeah. they're playing they're, the series is tied at two and they have to go out and try and win that game. Jordan clearly sick, uh, food poisoning as as it came to be known, um, and that was new to me. I did not know that. I thought you know everybody always thought it was flu. It's called flu game. Everybody thought he just played flu. And to me, that changes things a little bit because the flu, you're drained. You know, you're physically drained, but you're not drained. I shouldn't say you're not drained. Hard to do anything with the flu. You hurt, you ache, you you have a hard time moving. Food poisoning, you can't eat. You can barely drink anything. You're dehydrated. Your body hurts. And normally, your esophagus lining from throwing up you know, stomach vial, stomach acid, things like that. I mean, it's just tough. I don't know how he did it. And then for him to come out and just 38 points, it, it's unreal, unbelievable that a guy can perform at that high level. In the, in, the 98, in the 98 finals, Jordan averages 33.5. <laughs> Malone, Malone averages 25 for Utah, but after that they get nothing. They get 10 10 out of Jeff Hornacek, and everybody else is in single digits. Meanwhile, the Bulls have got Michael at 33, and then they got Kukoc at 15 and Pippen at 15. Well, it's not hard to see why they won. Yeah, and again, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a catch-22 there because the Jazz they had Malone as a scoring option. Hornacek was a good shooter. I thought I thought he was a good shooting guard, but after that, you know, Stockton wasn't that big of a scoring threat. I mean, somewhat maybe, but not not big. But you know, Brian Russell, 
you know, Ostertag, Ostertag and Luke Longley were basically the same player, as far as I was concerned. I mean, they, they just kind of canceled each other out. One was bigger than the other. And yeah, I believe that was Luke, about it. But Luke Luke Longley averaged five a game, and um, Ostertag only averaged two. Well, there you go. Um, if you look at the roster for the Jazz here, I, I've got it pulled up here. Uh, Antonio, Ant, Antonio or Antoine Carr, Antoine. William Cunningham, Greg Foster. They did have a young a rookie Troy Hudson who ended up becoming a, a great scorer in Minnesota. Adam Keefe, Carl Malone. Um, outside of Malone, Stockton, Hornacek was a good scorer, but they didn't have those great well, scoring threats. Right, I mean, and if, and if, and if I'm, looking at Brian, I'm looking at Brian Russell. Brian Russell in 1996, he aver- that was one of his best years. He averaged 10 points a game in terms of scoring. The next year, he averaged nine. So... Those they had two scoring threats really. It's yeah, I mean, and when Malone didn't doesn't show up for the first two games, or maybe does not show up, but doesn't have good games. There was nobody else to to suck that up. Yeah, they they just didn't have anybody. So, and yeah, I mean, still the series was still pretty close, but yeah. Well, um, again, if you notice this. They go back and they show these final scores and they show all, all these different things. Do you notice all the scores, how low they are? You know, like if you get to 95 points, that's a win. You've got a W more than likely. Well, that's, that, that is still the record, I believe, game three. Yeah, is the for the, or four, whatever, oh. three. For the, yeah, for the lowest total, I mean, 54 points in a finals game. That's yeah. insane. Well, you you got to remember, too, though, the rule. Uh, some of the rules have changed, too. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, of course. I, I mean, the Jazz, I, I don't know how to explain this. To, I mean, a lot of people don't get it, but, it, you know, Jazz was a good – they were a good team. They played good defense. And, oh, they absolutely. Had the I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the Jazz. I think the Jazz were great. I mean, I think they – I think they uh, they might have swept the Spurs or Lakers there, there a couple years in a row, and – when they had Shaq and Kobe, that's before, of course, that's before Phil got out there. But uh, and they beat Houston. They beat Houston on that uh, Stockton three in Game Six at Houston. That's how they got to the finals the first time. But at the buzzer. But uh, I, I thought they they had a good team. And I mean, man, I tell you, Jordan, when he hit that three pointer in Game Five, when I think that the, the uh, flu game misnamed. Uh, Man, I, when he, I remember watching the game, and he put that up. I said, no, not a three. And I said, boom. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, man, I just – I remembered that. And uh, I, I figured after that, you know, they they would win. They did hold on to win. Yeah, I mean, it was just it, – it's been – those finals were unreal. But, you know, you also got to look at – you also have to look at the team. You know, they go on, they win seventy. The in I believe in ninety was that ninety six. They win seventy. They won seventy two in ninety six, and the next year they won sixty nine. Yeah. And then the next year I so, think they won sixty one or sixty two, and people thought, "What's wrong with them?" Yeah. Yeah. They won sixty two. Yeah. First and, and, the, and first did the, it without. First and Pippen wasn't there. <laughs> 
Let's just put so. it. Let's just put it how it was. I mean, they, it was the kind of the sort of the perfect storm, sort of a scenario where you've got, in my opinion, and we'll get to this later. Uh, at least modern day, the greatest player of all time, with a supporting cast that was, for the most part, happy to be a supporting cast. Knew well, maybe not happy, but knew that that was their role, was to do what they yeah. that one or two things that they were good at. They had a good coach. Uh, I won't so far go so far as to say they had a great general manager, but for the most part, they left that team alone till the end. They didn't, you know, they would put in pieces, but they never really messed with anything too much, and the results were what they were. Yeah, and again, after they did what they did in ninety ninety seven, you have or ninety six ninety seven, I should say, after they they do that, and you have a, a general manager that is so dead set on not wanting to bring Jackson back, and then the owner comes in and says, you know, he's coming back. Then, you know, if you noticed on the last episode, they talked about they talked about a lot of different stuff there. But before we talk about, you know, the end and the team finally saying that's it, um, I do want to talk about Steve Kerr because they did cover stuff in this that I did not see coming Steve, with Steve Kerr. Um, I didn't know anything about Steve Kerr's father. I didn't know that Steve Kerr's dad had died the way he did. I didn't know that he was, you know, over in, um, I guess, uh, I forget the, yeah, Beirut. Beirut, Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, I don't know. (laughs) You know, part of me wants to look at him and say, you know, what he was trying to do was noble, but another part of me was like, well, the last guy in charge here, they kidnapped and tortured and murdered. Why I don't understand taking that job, <laughs> but hey, I mean, yeah. it's what he wanted to do, so I, yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I got to be honest, I don't understand running into a burning building or jumping out of a perfectly yeah. functioning aircraft. <laughs> People do that well, for a living, so that's true. That's true. You know, that's somebody, true. somebody's got to do that stuff, I guess. Uh, yeah, wouldn't be I me. Agree. Wouldn't be me, but somebody's got to do it. So. Yeah, and it's a noble thing he was doing, I believe. So I'm not trying to disparage the name of Steve's father by any stretch, but I look at that and the way Kerr kind of even said, you know, the next day I just went to basketball practice. I didn't know what to do. You know, here's a guy that last second gets an offer from Arizona. He wasn't allowed to watch TV four days a week. Very smart, clearly. Had to be. Didn't have a choice. And, you know, his his dad gets taken from him at a young age. He's in college. He doesn't know what to do. And I don't know. It just, it kind of, it kind of made me look at Steve Kerr in a different light because I didn't know these things about his life. And I don't know, like, I don't know how. Go ahead, Tim. Well, when you think that, when you think, when you hear his name, basically, I mean, I, I would imagine most modern day fans probably think of him more as a coach than a player. That guy's got eight NBA titles to his name. Yeah, he does. I mean, he had a four-peat. He got three with Chicago and then got one with the Spurs the next year. 
So he's got he he's did got four. Five, in a row. He's got yeah, he's got five as a player and three as a coach. I mean, he, uh, there's not much left for that man to do, really. For a guy that you don't really, you know, he doesn't come up in the conversation of greats at anything. Really. I mean, if you if you just count rings from co- playing, if you count rings from playing and coaching, I mean, he's getting up there. I mean, he's you're looking at, you know, Phil Jackson's got what was it, eleven, eleven or ten, eleven as a coach and a player. Kerr is at eight. I mean, Russell, of course, 11 as a player. Bill's got 11 as a coach, and I think he's got two as a player. I thought he just had 11 altogether. No. Because he had six with Chicago. Okay, yes, that's coach. You're right. I I know he had at least one with the Knicks. I don't know if he – I mean, I thought he just had the one. I mean, Bill Russell has 11 as a player. So – yeah, I, I knew that. And then you got uh, Sam Jones has ten. So another a couple other Boston Boston Celtics. Casey jo- Casey Jones. Yeah, you're right Jeff. He? Jeff once again does it. Phil had two as a player, so thirteen altogether for Phil Jackson if you count coaching. Yeah, I, I mean Casey Jones has got ten, eight as a a player and two as a coach. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have done it. Oh, take, and, take and that has, back. Check that. He has 12. Two as an assistant coach and two as a head coach. He's actually got 12. Well, there you go. Can't argue that um, either. Well, if you want to talk, if we're going to start doing that, you got to remember Adam Morrison has rings and Reggie Miller doesn't. So, let's <laughs> man, we can get off that. <laughs> because Adam Morrison had the single greatest hairdo in the history of NBA basketball. Well. Uh, here's some, break, here's some breaking news. Rings. Yeah, Ori's got a bunch. He got two with Houston, three with L.A., and two with San Antonio. So I think he's up to nine. Not sure. Or, no, seven. You're right. I can't yeah. do math. Uh, here is a here's a breaking thing from Bleacher Report that is being reported. Scottie Pippen is apparently so angry and livid at Michael Jordan for the last dance portrayal. Hmm. Why? All they showed that Scottie Pippen, uh, uh, not, they didn't even quote him. They showed him saying what he said. How can he be mad about that? That That's kind of what I'm wondering. It's like, how could he be mad? And Jordan was incredibly complimentary of Scottie Pippen. I don't know how you can get mad well, at Michael said, Jordan for that. Well, he said he was his best teammate he ever had. Now, last Yeah, week, and he even said I, I could have done it without thought. him. I told you I thought he might have been trended down after the last because of the where he was setting out. Uh, he set out of the play, which that's his own fault. And then he came back and said he'd do it over again that same way. Yeah, he said that. And, so, and then, you know, the migraine game, of course, which that kind of is what it is. He was in and out during uh, the, the finals when he was hurt and his back was hurt. But I give him credit for sticking it out. I mean, he, yeah. he kept going. He made. I, mean, I think he had eight points. And, yeah, I mean, he, he kept going. He was in there and he was trying. I mean, Jordan even said he couldn't have won. He couldn't have won those rings without Scotty. Right. So I don't know. I I feel like these sites, you know, the Bleacher Reports, the ESPN, where there's very little to no sports on right now, they're really trying to stir it up as best they can. <laughs> Jeez, I mean. <laughs> Basically, if you watch and if you watch Scott Van Pelt on Sunday nights after the Last Dance, uh, 
uh, <laughs> I laughed a little bit because it was basically like watching an episode of Sports Center from 1998. And it was just like they're talking about the Bulls and Michael Jordan and all these things. And I'm like, my God, we really went back in time here. Um, but in this in this era we're in right now with, with everything going on, it makes sense that that we are. So, but looking at the documentary now, let's get to the, let's get to it. The Bulls win their sixth title. They wanted to win it in five. They wanted to win it at home. That didn't happen. Uh, the Jazz Force and game the six. Showed and, up for that game. He had thirty nine points. He did exactly. Here's here's what I I want to ask because game six came was back and forth in ninety eight. Big blow after big blow. If it goes seven. If the Jazz were to win that game, could Chicago have beaten them in game seven if it would have happened? He would have had well, to take a Jordan performance yeah. because depending on Scotty's uh, health, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, could, would, they have, could they have won? Yeah. Would they have won? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I guess that's the, the $64,000 question. and One, of course, that they didn't have to answer. Uh, because they do win it in six. All right, let's let's get to it. Um, the I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but I, this is one of those things. I don't make notes for these shows at all. I just think I'm thinking back to right now. The, <laughs> I'm thinking back to the the series and, and and try to help me out here. I can't remember where was supposedly the greatest, you know, last three plays or whatever. Um, was that in the Pacers series or was that in the Jazz series? I can't remember right offhand. Okay. Um, it's 83 to 83 in game six of the NBA Finals. Okay, and so it was against Jazz, the Jazz. Jazz have the ball. Malone, usually it's Stockton to the Malone. This time it's Malone to Stockton. Hits a three, what it appears to be, uh, a game, maybe more likely a game winner. And, of course, mm-hmm. Bulls call a timeout. Jordan, they score within four seconds to make it 86-85, and which, that was really bad because that put pressure on the Jazz, and there was 24 seconds of the clock, and I think it was 30-some seconds left still. So, and yeah, then he, they scored quick. And then uh, Stockton feeds the post to Malone, and uh, they run that little play, and then mm-hmm. – uh, Jordan does clear with Hornacek. He comes back and uh, Robbins guarding Malone he st- and comes behind him and steals it. And then, of course, he hits his shot on Russell, and he he, he claims that he didn't push off, that it was a brush, <laughs> and it was bullshit. <laughs> and he says that his energy was <laughs> Russell's energy was already taken that way. But, you know, I don't know. It looked like he got him on, when he did touch him. That's when he kind of started to. I mean, I don't, you know, slow motion may not really tell the tale, but I don't know what you guys think about it. But. I've never thought it was a push-off, and even if it was, I honestly will tell you this, you're not getting that call at that stage of the game. You might as well forget it. That's yeah. not going to happen. You're not going to get that call. Right <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's look at the, the Pacers. When Reggie pushes Michael... <laughs> <laughs> to get up and right hit that three, three. Yeah. he—I mean, that was that was almost a tackle, and the rest didn't blow the whistle. 
you're not going to get that call. You're just the refs are not going to swallow. They're going to swallow their whistle 99 times out of 100 at the end of a game. It's gonna whether it's right or lot, whether it's wrong. It's going to have to be a lot closer than that. I mean, I, I kind of thought he was already moving away from him to some degree. His momentum was taking him in the other direction. Did he touch him? Yeah. No, I, I don't dispute that any, but. I still think he, whether he touched him or didn't, he's still getting that shot off. It isn't making any difference. So, and if the Jazz make their last shot of the game, it doesn't matter. Then it doesn't matter. <laughs> so it's not like that was at the buzzer. The Jazz still had a chance to win, and they got a, you know, they they got a shot. Yeah, but a again, you got to look at it as that play's only looked at as great as it is and, and scrutinized for good or bad or indifferent because of what it became. And it's Michael Jordan's last shot as a bull. And, you know, well, I remember where I was watching it. I still, to this day, well, I was eight, the, what was that? I was eight years old watching that, that exact same play happens in the first quarter. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody. And, and the refs probably don't blow the whistle either. Oh, or and or if they do, nobody cares. Everybody goes, "Well, oh, that was a bit of a softy," or "Oh, they can, he kind of got away with one there." Whichever yeah. side of the fence you're sitting on, but nobody cares. But because of the of the situation of the game, then it's a bigger deal as those things exactly. tend to be. Exactly. Um, I want to talk. I want to talk about Rodman's reply about uh, uh, when Jordan passes the ball and he says, "Who's going to take the shot?" Oh, fucking Michael's going to take the shot. Ain't no fucking way he's not taking that fucking shot. <laughs> Robinson, 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 I'm, he goes, I'm just going down the court. I'm just going to stand under the post. He goes, I'm not getting the ball. <laughs> yeah, ain't no fucking way. Ain't no fucking way back of passing that ball. Well, said, you know, everybody the in the way. building knew. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in the building knew who was taking the shot. Every person yeah. in that building knew who was shooting it. And I actually think Phil Jackson deserves some credit for not calling. Yeah. Timeouts. I wanted to talk about that too. Yeah, no, that's there again. That, that that's where he doesn't get any credit for some of the coaching he did, and that was a spur of the moment coaching where he did the math real quick and well, well, you know, probably. Although, in the same, you know, everybody says, well, of course, Michael's taking the shot. Well, so if everybody knew that, a you don't really need to call a timeout, do you? Anyway, if he's going to take the shot, and we all know it, and from the other side of the coin. You got to think, okay, in that situation, there's probably, well, you know, as they've all said, 100% chance he's taking that shot. So why why don't you double team him and stay off of Rodman? Again, I, it's one of those things. That, and it seemed like the everybody thought they could shut Jordan down and everybody wanted to play him in ISO defense. But then again. You think Michael's going to take the shot. How many years of getting your ass handed to you does it take before you come to the conclusion that you can't do that, especially when the game's on the line? But remember, Jordan was known for passing the ball when someone was open. Not to Rodman. He's not not (laughs) passing it to Rodman. He's not. Well, if you – Exactly. And if he does – Okay, but if he does, I'll take that chance that you beat me with Dennis Rodman with a jumper as opposed to anybody else on the court. Well, the problem is Rodman's not going to be up for a jumper. Rodman's going to be standing under the basket, and if Rodman is under the basket standing, he's got an easy layup, okay, or he's but, got a dish off for a layup. 
But in that case, he wasn't. He was barely over half court when that happened. Yeah. Well, that's I because the that. team. That's because the Jazz couldn't call timeout to regroup and to plan a double team. They just had to go okay, in but, man coverage. Jordan right, isolates and hits the are, shot. Come on. These are NBA professionals. What's the guy? Who, what's Rodman's man doing while this is going on? Watching. Carl Malone. <laughs> I don't know if he was on Malone or Carr. Or I'm not Carr sure was who was on, on him, but 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 whoever it was, what were they doing while this? I'd like to look right. at that footage again to see well, where, where that guy was at, because he couldn't have been doing anything. Either, well, either, you remember, either he was this, either he was doing nothing, or they were double teaming somebody else. Which is even just, stupider. Yeah, they just got the steal. The ball, there was a turnover, and like Nathan said, they might have been out of sorts because of. But as you said, they're professionals. But Rodman, he, he's going over half court, and as soon as he clears Jordan to go down to the block, he, I think they might have thought that he was going to wait till like the last two or three seconds, maybe, and then shoot. Maybe. And, uh, but he shoots – I mean, but as soon as he clears, that's when he – I think he failed a double coming myself, and they just didn't get – they should have came sooner. And, uh, you know, we live in a world then, and maybe now somewhat, that when you got the ball like that, you autom- uh, coaches, you automatically call timeout. And people was, you know, wondering, well, I can't believe this feels like – but really, what do you tell – what are you going to tell the best player in the world in that's your huddle? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean – yeah, What's sorry, to tell him? sorry, sorry for interrupting your stride there, Michael. But I thought I should just tell you what you already know. Right, <laughs> and give the other team a chance to set up a defense and to possibly yeah. double team you, and to catch their breath. Right. So, and, and you know they were flustered because here they have the ball on the block with a chance to at least go up three, and Michael just comes over and makes one of the, a, a incredibly intelligent defensive play, unreal defensive play. So, again, it's like they were out of sorts. They were out of whack. They were on the ropes, and it was smart by Phil to let him go because I think if Phil Jackson calls timeout there, they may lose that game. And lose the series. Maybe. I don't know. Do you, do you think there's any – is there anything that plays into it in the fact that it's, okay, the score is what it is. We just kind of choked the lead to some degree. Well, we choked the lead, not to some degree. We choked it. And now we're back to that same old goddamn spot we find ourselves in where he's got the bloody ball. And we almost are, we may say what we say during press releases and to the reporters and stuff, but deep down, we almost know we can't stop him. And, and it it, it sinks in maybe even subconsciously that, Oh, we're screwed. You know, there comes, if you are thinking that, I think, that Jordan, if you're thinking that and Jordan's coming down the court with the ball, you've already lost. Oh, I, and that, I agree, and that's, but, but and that's, but just saying, that's the problem is point. you can't, you know, he's he's winning the mind games because of who he is and what he can do. Well, when he talks smack and all the rest, he's, and he backs he, it and up, then, and then he backs <laughs> it up. So I mean, at some point, you've got to be telling yourself. Unless you're like, I mean, like Reggie Miller said, he said he was one of the, I was one of the few guys who wasn't scared of him. I respected him, but I wasn't, and I, and I think Reggie might've been lying there, but anyway, yeah. um, you know, there was a lot of guys, I'm quite sure that you didn't really want to see him coming at you when you were playing defense. Most guys, George, maybe. Yeah. The Bulls, want, they had their humble pie back in the early nineties. 
Oh yeah, you know, it's not. It wasn't. Uh, they weren't. You know, they they didn't get it late. <laughs> or they won six out of the eight, or and they just. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, and certain certain guys just have that effect on on some teams. Although Michael seemed to have that effect on pretty much everybody. I mean, did he, was there a team he didn't play well against traditionally? Uh, <laughs> Mueller. Yeah, but most you know, most guys like in other sports too. You've got you've got certain quarterbacks who just have bad games against certain certain coaches or certain franchises. You got some guys who just can't hit a certain pitcher. I don't right. ever recall anybody saying you know Michael Jordan just doesn't play very well in Charlotte, or he just doesn't play uh, very well against. See here. I mean, he might have, but I don't recall anybody <laughs> like that it ever being anything that ever came up. All right. All right, all right. I've got some really cool statistics here. Since you brought that up, we'll, and we'll go back and finish up the last dance. But this this is pretty cool. Here's some. Uh, this is from a, a hoops hype article. Uh, Michael Jordan. It says here with history is deep in illustrations. Michael Jordan in the playoffs. It becomes easy sometimes to forget some of his smaller accomplishments, like how he did against each team prior to facing them in the finals. As such, we decided to go back in time and examine how Jordan fared against every single franchise he ever faced in the postseason. There are 18 of these in total. He had a winning record against 15 of these teams and a losing record against two. So there you go. In the playoffs, Michael Jordan against the Washington Bullets, 3-0, 100%, 37.3 points per game with 5.7 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 57% shooting from the field in the playoffs. New Jersey Nets, 100%, 3-0, 36 points per game, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 52% goal percentage. Miami Heat, 10-1 in the playoffs for a 90.9% win percentage. 34.2 points per game with 7 rebounds, 3.7 assists, and he shot 48% from the floor. That's just, And that's that's three, you know, that's three teams. And this rolls on here. He was 7-1 against the Atlanta Hawks with 29 points per game, 29 and a half points per game. He shot 48% from the floor with nine rebounds. 4-1 and one against the Lakers with 30, average 31 points a game, six rebounds, 11. What is that? RPG. Hmm? Somebody typoed there. I think that's assists. 55.8% field goal percentage against the Lakers. 80%. He's 8-2 against the 76ers. He averaged 38.2 points per game with seven assists and seven uh, seven rebounds, seven assists, 52% shooting from the floor. This dude in the playoffs was just – he was money. Do they, have a, was do they have a total number there? What do you mean? Like an overall average? Like he's 42-12 and 12 in the playoffs? Uh, I I could figure it up here. Uh, seven and two against the Hornets. Thirty points. Um, we'll round up. Thirty-one points per game. Forty-eight percent field goal percentage. Six rebounds per game. Five assists against the. Now the Knicks. He actually. I can't believe they played this many times in the playoffs, but they played a lot. Yeah. Michael Jordan's. Michael Jordan's winning percentage against the Knicks. He won seventy percent of his games against the Knicks in the playoffs. He was 19-8 and eight against the Knicks. He averaged against the New York Knicks 33.1 points per game with 6.4 rebounds, 6 assists, and shot 47% from the floor against the Knicks. 
70% winning percentage against Cleveland, 14 and 6. 37 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 6 assists. He shot 50% from the floor. This, this is just this is unreal. <laughs> like like my god. 4 and 2 well, against over, the Suns, 41 points overall, per game. Um, his just overall absurd. points per game in the playoffs is his average is 33. That that's amazing. Yeah, that's just in, that's insane. And six and four against the Magic, uh, four and three against the Pacers. Uh, I'm trying to get to maybe the teams that he he didn't have a winning record against. Four and you know four against is, the Milwaukee Bucks. You know what else is also so, amazing? And 13, ten and twelve against the Pistons. Thirteen yeah. playoff years, and never missed a game. Yeah, not not Here one. Go. Here's. And here's the only team that Jordan couldn't get the best of. 0-6 against the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. But he averaged 39.7 points per game with six rebounds, five assists, and shot 46% from the floor against the Celtics. It helped he had that 63-pointer. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's going to help. But still, I mean, that's a that's just unreal playoff performances from, from somebody. I don't care who you are. Insane. Turn. Turned on all the time. Yeah, I mean, and, and what I was actually looking for was, you know, like I, I've seen it sometimes. You see, you know, some guys. It's like this was because Kobe Bryant had one. It was like, oh, here's how, here's his high scoring total against every team. Like here you go, here's here's one. Uh, his lowest scoring. <laughs> Well, if you take away the Chicago Bulls, because the highest he ever scored against the Bulls was 29, and that was when he played for the Wizards. Um, if you take them out, his lowest per points performance was against the Toronto, no, the Memphis Grizzlies, or Vancouver, I guess you would call them. 33 was the highest he ever scored against them. Everybody else is, the Raptors are 38. Um, you know, take out the Bulls. You're looking at, you know, 40s, 50s, I mean, 60s against, you know, Atlanta and Boston, Cleveland, Detroit, Orlando. Like, it's just uh, insane. To throw a little perspective on that, LeBron James averages in his playoff career has averaged 28 points, and Kobe Bryant has uh, averaged 25. So then you got Michael at 33, so... Not yeah. that that means everything, but it says something. Yeah, I mean, I'm not it's, it's not. That he has a higher playoff average than any regular season average at all. I no, I don't think anybody should be thirty or thirty-one, maybe. Yeah, I don't think anybody should be too surprised by that. That seems to be, you know, that was when Michael turned it on. Was the playoffs? I mean, yeah, he wanted to win in the regular season, and you know, he didn't take nights off, but. There was something about well, that guy when it, he was like Reggie Jackson in baseball when it came to the, the NBA playoffs. You know, Mr. October. You know, Michael Jordan was Mr. May June, if that makes sense. <laughs> you, know? you heard him talk about uh, Malone. Like he 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 didn't like it. Like when Barkley won that '93 MVP, he didn't like it when Malone won yeah. the uh, I think '98. But, but he did MVP. say it wasn't because he didn't deserve it. Yeah, he just he just said it, just, it just it just didn't like him. He just didn't like that he, yeah. he figured that was motivation. This, yeah. this is a guy that this is a guy that you know he, you could say you know oh Carl Malone's grass 
looks better than yours, and and he would be motivated to go out there and do something about it. Yeah, you know, it's just the kind of guy that he was. Well, their their uh, his uh, regular season average was uh, thirty point one, so he didn't turn it up all that much in the playoffs, a tiny bit. But and uh, Kobe well, you got to remember LeBron. in the playoffs Kobe's you're in, playing against the top teams. True, and Kobe's and uh, LeBron's are almost identical to their regular season averages. I'll tell you what, we need to take a, a quick timeout. We'll go ahead and pay some bills, and then on the other side, we'll discuss the breakup, the ending of the Bulls, and then we'll dive into breaking the rules and talking about who really is the greatest of all time. Stick around. We'll be back on the other side. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right. If you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meat is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Again, thanks to our great sponsors at Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and of course, our great sponsors at Stay Classy Meats, bringing you all the best of your meat product needs, and of course, the great Atomic Comics and Collectibles, all kinds of sales going on at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. All right, now, let's dive into it here, the breakup of the Chicago Bulls, the Bulls win in 98. They're finally crowned champions. They become, welcome back, Jeff, six-time champions. And they are basically over with. It's done. Um, Phil Jackson leaves after, and even this is after uh, Jerry Reinsdorf said, you know, he offered Phil to come back and coach again. We need to talk about a little bit, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, but did Phil uh, not say that he was not coming, like, on that documentary? Did he not say I was done? 
Well, that's where it gets weird. At the beginning of the year, Jerry Krause had came out and said, no matter if they go 82-0, and Bill Jackson would not be the coach of the Chicago Bulls after this season. He didn't want to bring him back for that year, but Jerry Reinsdorf went out and signed him for one year, $6 million, and brought him okay, back. Well, let's, all right, let's stop right there, because there's the first problem. As soon as that statement was made, the owner should have came down on Jerry Krause with a hammer and said, you may think that. That might even be true, but you got to go back out and say that oh, I had that wrong. I, I fucked that up. I shouldn't have said that. That was misleading or whatever. That was a goof to begin with. Carry on. You, that's something you should put out there ever. Like, why would right. you do that? Why would you be like, yeah. you know, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. No, it's just stupid if you not ask a, me. Not, not a good move, in my opinion. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, I'm just, I'm just kind of I kind of kind of get the perception that Phil, even though they told him uh, Jerry Krause told him if he went 82 and 0, I I feel like he, he felt like the the bridge was already been burned, and uh, even though Reinsdorf, if Reinsdorf did tell him to come back, like it seemed like he needed he was done for. Like, why, why and, would he uh, want to come back? Yeah, That's really yeah, the you, question. Okay, but you know yeah. what happens if that happens today? The owner promptly fires the general manager. Yeah. The general manager is gone, and he goes to Michael Jordan and says, who would you like for a coach, Mike? Do you, I mean, do you think that Jordan might have, I mean, this might have been flawed. Not was flawed hardly in anything when it came to basketball, but do you think he might have been flawed thinking that uh, like it was more feel, want to say, well, I'm out of here regardless? Or do you think Jordan felt mm. like Krauss pushed him out? I can't reel that out, I guess. I mean, did he I say it? I don't think Phil would have left if they could have kept the entire team together. I think Phil knew that they weren't going to re-sign Pippen to a big deal because that's what Pippen wanted, and I don't think they had any desire to pay Pippen that much money. And let's be honest here, they probably couldn't afford to pay Pippen that much money. Um, and even if they do pay Pippen that much money, they're losing – you know, they have to lose players. They have to lose somebody on that team because Jordan was making $37 million a year. The cap was nowhere near as high as it is now. You couldn't afford two high-level superstars on a team and still have a nice competitive team around them. Maybe for one year, guys would have took a pay cut, maybe. Maybe Steve Kerr comes back for one year. Maybe Pippen signs a one-year deal. The first one would have to take a cut would probably have been Rodman. I don't know if he would have done that. He would have had He wasn't even making that much. Let me see. I think see. he was making mm-hmm. three or four at the time. At the end, of the, he would have mm-hmm. had. Hold on, I'll tell you. Okay. We have what I like to call technology. Do you, do you uh, think there's some chance that maybe Jerry Krause says that at the beginning of the season to cover his own ass because he thinks they're not going to win? It's possible. And, I mean, when they went out to Utah for that regular season game, the timing, I mean, he came out and said something uh, about the – You know, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there so that you guys got some a chance to chew on the fact that this team probably isn't going to be together next year, and maybe I can pin it all on Phil Jackson as opposed to anybody else. If it's Phil or Michael, I want to keep Michael, Maybe. 
Well, who would? Okay, but at least I'm not saying literally. I'm saying in the in the public perception. You know, if I don't want to look like a jerk, I can blame us losing on Phil as opposed to anybody else. Because I don't like Phil anyway. Which I, I'm not sure if that's even true. I don't really know. Well, here's the salary cap breakdown. Michael Jordan was making $33 million a year. Rodman was making $4.6 million. Kukoc was making $4.5 million. Harper was making $4.5 million. Longley, $3.1 million. Then Pippen at $2.7 million. Winnington, $1.8 million. Scott Burrell was making $1.4 million. Boy, Jordan gave that poor guy hell. I don't want to see you again. I'll beat your ass the next time I see you. <laughs> After the title, he says, "I see you again. I'm gonna kick your ass." <laughs> and, and kind of meant it. That was the worst part. Is he didn't really. And Burrell really just and Bur- and Burrell just laughed. Burrell was like, "Ah, it's Michael." Uh, Randy Brown. Randy Brown yeah. making 1.2 million. Steve Kerr making 750,000 dollars. Jesus. Keith Booth 597,000. Judd. Judd Boochler, Bachelor, Boochler, Boochler. Okay, I'm sorry. I, that's a weird name to pronounce. Five hundred grand. Uh, so you're looking at guys here that were making not a whole lot of money. Uh, you know, you look at Steve Kerr. You know, he's worth a million, easy, maybe more. Uh, Steve Kerr's getting paid five million dollars to coach the Warriors. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, no, but you compared to the seven hundred and fifty grand he was making as a player. But you look at, I mean, even by today's standards, other than Jordan, those salaries are laughable by today's standards, of course. But your your second best player on your team is your sixth highest paid player on your salary cap. Let's just say you up Pippen. Let's just let's just say hypothetically, Pippen was going to want more than this. Let's say that he ten million a year. All right. So you've got to up Pippen another. Seven point three billion or billion, seven point three million dollars. Where is that going to come from? How are you is Rodman going to take take a two million dollar cut? Kukoc a two million dollar cut? Harper a two million dollar cut? I mean that's six million. If Longley takes another million dollar cut, does Steve Kerr continue to make seven hundred fifty grand? Do you keep paying a rookie like Scott Burrell one point four million? You're granted you're losing the the Robert Parrish money that's on the books where you waived him for one point one five million. But are these guys gonna take cuts just to play for another title? They've won three titles. They want money. I just didn't see any way to keep it together. I really didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Pippen would have been the biggest hurdle yeah. for it to happen. That would have been the obstacle. That would have been the well, he was He was well past the point saying, I need paid. And he did deserve to be paid. He did. He deserved it. Absolutely. So I don't yeah, know he, if it could have happened. Somebody would have deserved it. Jordan might have had didn't. to take a cut for like, I mean, he might have said, had to say, like, give me $28 million or And that, that probably wouldn't have happened either. So, you know, especially yeah, after again. That, what he just did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, again, I don't know. And, and I'm going to make a bold statement here. If that Bulls team came back, and again, there's the lockout season that happens afterward. Uh, We won't even get into that. But if that Bulls team gets back together, are they good enough 
to win another title? Is Maybe. To get do I think they do it? Two, I know. I know. The finals. You know who made it that year? The, the Knicks. The eight seed Knicks. They they yeah. upset the Pacers and the well they actually they Hal and Houston hit a running game winner against the Heat to win the series last second and then mm-hmm. you had LJ's four point play. And uh, I think it's interesting that people call Reggie Miller the Nick Killer, but he had a bad, he had a worse, uh, he lost more against him than he did win against him in the playoffs. But yeah. Anyways, uh, and if the Bulls stay together, the Knicks don't even make the playoffs. I mean, they're, that's true. They're in, they're in the top eight. So who's to say that they, I don't know if they could have beat the Spurs because they had two. Uh, big man Robinson and Duncan was coming in their own, but no. I mean, with the experience, I, I don't think they're able they to beat them. I mean, I don't think they're able to beat them, but hey, you never know. I, I personally don't think the Bulls would have won it that year just because I felt they were burned, not because they didn't have the talent. I think they were just burned. Yeah, there's gonna, there'd have to be a couple of things that have to happen. First, somehow Michael Jordan, they got to figure out a way to get him some rest because he's burnt out by his own admission. He's He's got no reason to be there anymore. Uh, Scotty Pippen is banged up to whatever degree, uh, so you got to figure that out. Uh, Rodman, who the hell knows what you're going to get out of Dennis from year to year? You don't really know. Might be committed, might not be. Might have another wrestling and, match. And and then you're going to have to. And then even if all of you've solved all of that, you're going to have to give them a reason to want to win again. You're going to have to find something. To motivate them during the year. And That's the thing they I, say. You know, winning winning is the easy part, but to keep you know, winning a championship is the easy part. Keeping it is the hard part. Well, and everyone gets harder. Talk to anybody mm-hmm. on any talk to anybody on any team that played on a repeat. The first one is is the easy one. It's the ones after that because everybody's gunning for you. Yep. You don't, you know, you don't need to win anymore. You got the title. Like I know there's a story. I mean, I know you guys aren't the biggest hockey fans, but back when uh, the New York Islanders had won three in a row, so they're going for the four Pete, and they're going to play against the upstart Edmonton Oilers with Wayne Gretzky. Blah 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 blah. Greatest hockey player ever to play. They they beat Edmonton, and the after the game after the series is over, the Oilers guys go over to the Islander dressing room to kind of to party basically and they get there and go okay these guys are totally spent they are they got nothing and that's when they realize that to win you've got to give everything you got to have nothing left and by the time they got to their fourth title they were running out of reasons to 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 drain themselves to that degree to win yeah and that's what it came down to, and I don't know. I think if, if Jordan and the Bulls do step away, uh, or they, if they do come back, and let's say they come back and they do lose, maybe the, some of the mystique comes off. Maybe we don't yeah, get this. Yeah. I was we don't say, get. I'm I'm happy they didn't go back and lose because the legacy is untarnished. Yeah, it sounds like from him that, I mean, they he wanted to get beat out on the court. Uh, That's what it seemed and, like. You know, it seemed like Jordan and, wanted somebody to beat him. Yeah, I mean, and they, you know, the lockout where they was out there for a while that might have 
they were burnt. Maybe that, that could have helped if they had a shortened season. Who knows? But I just enjoy that the fact, being a Jordan fan then, that it ended kind of the way it did. Him hold the pose, game-winning shot, then having the, uh, that like little those three plays he had there right in sequence together and, and uh, withstanding Stockton's attempt to send it to a game seven. I thought that was a good way to end it, to be honest. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, I agree, yeah. Well, it's bad uh, that he came back and did what he did after that with – well, Wizards. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, you know. <laughs> well, you know. We uh, name one of those guys who is. I, I can't really think. There might be one, but I can't ever think of one that a guy who actually quit when he should have and stayed retired. They just aren't geared that way. They they figure they got to come back because they got enough in the tank for one more <laughs> go, and you just don't at some point. Jerome Bettis. <laughs> Don Elway, he won two in a row and then he retired. Ah, fuck Elway. All right, anyway. Not a fan. Not a fan wow. of Elway. <laughs> yeah, really? Wow. I'm not I, a fan I didn't like him either, but I'm just saying he was a good way to end Overhy- Overhyped baby was John Elway. I think you could argue, though, that John Elway probably stayed too long and got lucky that he won two at the end. True. Yeah. Well, if he, if he hadn't played the Falcons, he might have actually only I won mean, the one. But I mean, Dan Dan Marino tried that too, and he didn't get the win at the end, and probably should have retired sooner than he did. So, possibly. Well, let's look at one last thing with the last dance. Um, the way that you know they all got together for the last time, they wrote the wrote the stuff and burned it, and just kind of said, you know, this is it. We're gonna. We're going to let it be at this point in time. And Jordan writes the poem. They said nobody knows what it really said. Fuck um, you all. And I'm great. Ba- basically, you know, thank me for the, you can, you're welcome for the jewelry. Um, <laughs> roses are red, violets are blue. I'm the greatest, and fuck you too. But uh, <laughs> it's quite possible it was. It's quite possible that it was something like that. Maybe not quite that graphic, but. But, you know, they all come out, and, and they said it was, you know, Steve Kerr said it was one of the, you know, the most touching moments he'd ever been a part of. And do you think do you think they, they kind of went out the right way, at least as a team? Do you Did you feel that that was kind of a, seemed like kind of a Phil Jackson way to, to end everything? Mm, yeah, I think with the, uh, you know, the Zen master. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was fitting the way they did it. And I believe they said they just they burned everything after it was all said and done. Is that correct? Yeah, they turned all the lights out and they set the uh, trash can on fire. And uh, uh, apparently, uh, from what I heard, the cure for Jerry Krause's eye was in there too. So it never got any better. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, uh, he said he doesn't care. First Jerry Krause, Elway, now Krause. Wow, what's wrong nah, with Krause, Man, Krause, Krause is a dick. If anybody came out of this thing looking like crab, it was Jerry Krause. I mean, come on. Like, and geez, yeah, I still maintain, though, that all it would have taken to fix that entire rift was for Jerry Krause to say, you know what, the players are the reason we win, and the players turning around and going, you know, Jerry did a pretty good job assembling this team. 
That's all it was. Yeah. Jackson gave so him basically everybody needed to put aside their giant egos. At the parade, he, didn't Jackson say we got to thank Jerry, even though yeah, you, you know. can you can say it, Nate, and not mean it. You just got to say it to the press. You don't have to behind closed doors. You can hate them all you want. Nobody That's cares true. there. Yeah, Nate, I'm surprised you haven't said anything about Miguel Angel him and I. <laughs> Jordan reminded me of him on the uh, on the golf course with that cigar. The cigar. Oh, wow, that dude wow. just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know why. I think it's his hair. This is that ponytail. Well, let's weird. Just take it, let's just take a minute. Is there anybody else you'd like to shit all over there? We've got time. Uh, okay. Uh, Baron Corbin, you suck. Uh, Goldberg, go to hell. Uh, Hogan should have put Savage over clean. And uh, okay. uh, anything that's not wrestling related? Uh, hold on, let me think. Uh, I think I'm okay for now. Oh. Okay, I think I'm good. So, I think I'm good. So just L, just LA. Nothing about uh, anybody who may or may not have wore a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform in the past. Uh, John Gruden, but I, I pick on Gruden enough. I pick on Gruden enough. John Gruden oh, just keeps man. proving me right every year, so I I just kind of let him be. Uh, hey, real quick, uh, I Good. forgot. What do you all remember in the episode, one of the episodes whenever Ahmad Rashad and Jordan were talking there before Game Seven? <laughs> Hold on, before, before saying, you get to that, Ahmad Rashad, you want to talk about the guy with the worst groomsman in history at a wedding? Ahmad Rashad may take the cake. Bill Cosby and O.J. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. God damn. Wow. He just keeps the real picture. The real picture. Drug him and, anyway. drug him and kill him. <laughs> but uh, he says, makes a comment, some can and some can't. Do you all remember that him saying that? And then Jordan repeats him and says, some can, some can't. Who, who do you think he was referring to? Bill Cartwright. <laughs> I think he was referring to Reggie Miller. I think he was I mean, referring maybe to was. Miller. I believe that's. I believe that's who it was. Uh, I, you you could be right. You could you could be right. All I know though is Ahmad Rashad has got his ass so far, or his head up Michael Jordan's ass so far, is unbelievable. What a what a lackey. What a oh. <laughs> You know, people forget how good of a how good of a player Ahmad Rashad actually was. You know, he got so known for his sports or for his interviews, like he was actually a good athlete. I think people didn't just he, forget that. Didn't he marry the chick from the Cosby Show? Yeah, I think Bill Cosby was one of his groomsmen. Okay, that's why. Well, I thought maybe they just roofied people together back in the seventies. Yeah, he married Felicia Felicia Rashad, Mrs. Huxtable. <laughs> Mrs. Huxtable. Right now, Huxtable. People, right now, people are scratching their heads going, who the hell is Mrs. Huxtable? Well, who doesn't know who Mrs. Huxtable is? Oh, Nate, come on. That's 40 years ago. Lots of people don't know who it is. Sandra? Is it Sandra, Denise, Theo, Ruby. Vanessa, Rudy. Rudy. So, Ruby. Yeah, that was the Rudy, kids. Right? Was it Rudy? No, Rudy. It was Rudy. As in I the football so. guy? That's what I thought. I always thought it was Rudy. You might, you might be right. I, I not see. Let me check that. Yeah, it was Rudy. Rudy. Yeah, it was Rudy. Huh. Yeah. All right, anyway, enough Bill Co- Enough of the Cosby show. And you uh, put the pill in the drink. Oh, no. 
and then you wake up tomorrow morning and you call Stephen P. New. All right, let's uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. We thank you all. I hope you've enjoyed us talking about the last dance. This was really fun. A great documentary. I think it's going to end up winning awards next year uh, come Oscar season. I mean, there's just so much to dive into. It was so good. People were going nuts over it online. It's it's a must watch if you haven't watched it. And they're supposedly supposed to start showing reruns on ABC. That's how that's well, how it did. Uh, it did six million viewers on ESPN, and that doesn't count anybody who watched it in anywhere else or on Netflix. So it yeah. it, it, it did it did some numbers. Well, absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about this uh, quickly because I don't really have a whole lot to say about it, Jeff. You're probably going to take the lead here. NASCAR return. I know everybody's like, NASCAR? Yes. The first American sporting event returns. NASCAR is back. And a couple things I want to bring up. I hate Larry McReynolds with a passion. It makes two of us. It makes two of us. Good God. (laughs) That man should be nowhere near a microphone like I should be nowhere near a buffet. Get him out. He is awful. Oh, oh come on God. now. It can't be as bad as not letting you anywhere near a buffet. Holy shit. Oh, man, he's awful. Bad, yeah. he, he is bad. <laughs> is he that bad? He is bad. Wow. Yeah, he's bad. He, he just he rambles on about stuff he's that just, nobody knows about and nobody gives a flying pig and fuck. He's just been on there too long, really, oh, to be honest. He's been on he's, there. He uh, likes to hear himself talk. He's Can we bring back Ross. Dr. Jerry Punch? Can we do that? I'd be all right with that. I like Dr. Jerry Punch. Are you DW? Uh, are you watching right now, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. Uh, I don't have the. I I have it on actually. I don't really know what the hell's I'll, going on because I haven't been watching close enough. But I'll tell you this: NASCAR, NASCAR to me now. In my younger days, I was a really big fan. To me now, is more a sport that you watch in passing, if that makes any sense. It's a good sport to sit down and watch about 30 minutes and then like, okay, I need to go do these dishes or, you know, hey, I need to go you know, do this. I need to go throw my clothes in the laundry or whatever. Uh, it's a good sport for that, honestly. It's, it's entertaining. I'm not saying it's not entertaining. For me, it's hard to camp in front of the television and watch an entire race. Because one, Larry McReynolds, and two, I, let's be honest here, we watch NASCAR for the wrecks, and they've become so safety conscious now that you're not really getting that. You don't get racing to the line anymore. I don't like the stage thing. I don't like the setup like that. It's kind of annoying. I don't like the planned cautions. That kind of bugs me a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed what I watched of the of the race, but... Like, after a half hour, I I had to get up and do a couple things. I was like, okay, this is good for now. And then I came back and watched a little more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tim, you watched some of the race. I know, Jeff, you, you watched it. You've been watching racing more than any of us. You're the, the expert here. Go ahead, Tim. What's your thoughts? And then we'll go to the expert. Well, great to see something actually happening live. That was that was almost worth – That was almost worth uh, – sitting down to spend some time. Um, Uh, I actually, and and I'll be the first person to say this, I don't think, you may disagree with me, I don't think they suffered from a lack of fans. I really didn't. 
There's two ways of looking at that. It looks weird to me on TV where the, when the, the seats are all empty. But that being said, the fans do not really affect what happens on the track because they can't hear them. So it's exactly. not like, yeah, it's not like the product suffers. It's not like wrestling or uh, oh, yeah. or or basketball or hockey or any of those sports where if there's no fans there and somebody does something great and there's crickets. Whereas yeah. on the, in NASCAR, okay, whatever is happening on the track happens. It doesn't look any different. It's not affected by, oh, he's the, the crowd's really getting behind him. He's he's really going to make a run for it now. You know, it doesn't work like that. So from that point of view, I mean, I'm watching it now, and it doesn't really seem a whole lot different to me. Um, I'm not the biggest NASCAR fan in the world, so for me it's, you know, kind of bittersweet in a way, but uh, I think this is the kind of sport where you, you probably would do you, uh, casual fan, it doesn't really work. I think you really need to understand the, uh, yeah. the, the, the deeper part of what goes on during a race, which most people, and I being one of them, probably don't fully appreciate. Okay, Jeff, you're the die, more diehard NASCAR fan. What do you think? Uh, well, like I said, it was nice to come back. And I think a lot of people, um, from what I think ESPN was saying, that all your gamblers treated this like it was a Daytona race. Like, you know, Daytona is the biggest race of the year. You had got mm-hmm. a lot more people gambling on the race, and they, they actually gambled on this because there hadn't been anything to gamble in a while. Well, Nate, Nate and I had a conversation <coughs> off, off air where I, I believe I said that uh, it was reported that the uh, whatever the golfer racer – thing was going on jeff whatever that was yeah, yeah. that more money was bet on that than was bet on the entire uh, pga on a whole tournament huh wow so so the so the bet the, the betting the, the betters were out full force yeah they were and uh and something else that nathan touched on was you know well this is you know nascar is kind of long before and really the uh, this ra- the Sunday's race was 400 miles, and and the Labor Day race, which is the granddaddy of them all, they call the Southern 500, which they've raced since 1950, was yeah. it was a 500-mile race. And, uh, I mean, I've gone to them, and let me tell you, I mean, they, they are long. They're fun. A lot, I think they're a lot more fun if you go to them. Uh, Nathan, you'll probably agree. but just Yeah, the they are. They're, they're the a culture, whole lot more fun the, being there. The culture and the experience just – just being there. And, <laughs> you know, the culture. Well, yeah, I guess you could call it culture. I mean, I mean, maybe lack, well, I mean, lack just, thereof. But Well, no. I mean, he, just, he said this culture and I mean, not being cultured. Well, I mean, like, let me just give you an example <laughs> what I'm re- referring to. is like, I, you know, I wore an old-time Wrangler number three shirt there like a few years back when I went to Darlington. It was like 2015. They call it throwback weekend. I was walking Praise by. Hell, praise Dale, baby. Yeah. And these guys, and this, these, these men and women, I was me and my uncle walked by. They, they say, hey, we like that shirt. And he said, Hey, where are you from? You know, Hey, you want a beer? You know, and you know, you're, I mean, you know these people and you're, and you're drinking beer with them and talking. I mean, oh, yeah. that's just how, that's, that's what I'm referring to. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's fun. Honestly, I, I just won the culture comment, but it really is like a good the, time. It's like tailgating at a football game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it's a good but, time. 
But now, you know, the, like tonight, like you all talked about the length of it. Well, tonight's race, they've been talking about having midweek races, trying to shorten the season up. And uh, this race tonight's 500 kilometers, barely over 300 miles. So uh, they're kind of, tw- I think they're they're trying to reach out to, to millennials because what millennials have a hard time doing. Paying uh, attention. Are known to, yeah, paying attention for a long amount of time. I mean, I'm not trying to. Uh, no, I mean you're um, right. You're right, hundred um, percent. So, uh, sorry, Jeff. There, I kind of tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Tim's close to Tim's seen a couple millenniums, <laughs> but <neither either. laughs> well past millennial. But anyway, but you know they're trying to appeal to and have some shorter races. You know, and people have complained that the the races are long. But uh, you know, that's just that's just been their nature, though. For, for a long time, they have long races here, which well, engines and the parts can last. But the thing is, now about all the engines last. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. you're not seeing you're not seeing the blow ups of the cars, and technology has come so far that now you're seeing these cars that are just like, it, unless they wreck, they're not stopping. They're going to keep going, and the cars are so similar and they're so changed. It's like you can win a race if you put you know one one pound of air pressure in over you know that could be an advantage right. that's how i mean that we're at that point so, where oh uh, that car uh, was two inches lower to the ground than regulation would say are the days so you're disqualified where, where one car maker ruled the roost like an f1 I mean, where used you know, to be well, they all used to be the same now <laughs> yeah they're all pretty much the, used to be man a Chevrolet was tough to touch. The old uh, Monte Carlos. Right. Uh, Ford had their time. You know they used to run the Tauruses. Now they're running. Are they running Mustangs now? I see yeah, that. Yeah, they are. Yeah. That's uh, man. I, I, again, I don't pay close attention to NASCAR. I recognize some names. Um, I don't know. I think NASCAR's missing. Again, we talked about it. Characters. They're missing people like. I think that's why NASCAR was so cool back in the in the nineties. We all had that everybody had a driver. Everybody picked their driver. You know, the younger people like me, I was a Jeff Gordon fan. I liked Gordon. Um the older fans were more Earnhardt fans. Earnhardt fans hated Gordon and Gordon fans hated Earnhardt. Then you had, you know, your Rusty Wallace fans who were just like, Hey, what about me? And nobody really cared about them. Um you had your random Bill Elliott fans. Uh, there was a lot of Bill yeah. Elliott fans, more than you think. Oh, there were. There were. Uh, there was he a lot of fans a lot of people. Okay, uh, quick pop quiz for Jeff, quickly. Who who got in a fight in 2007 at the Dover Speedway? 2007. Dover Speedway. One One guy crashed into another guy's car in the pit, and then they had it out. Well, I Is don't that, remember, uh, to be honest. Oh, hold on. Was that uh, Ricky Rudd and Kevin Harvick? No, uh, that would be incorrect. That would be uh, Kurt Busch and Tony Stewart. Oh, I'm okay. not surprised. That'd been the easiest, I should have guessed know, there. I should have guessed there, too, because out of the two that from that time period, they were kind of hotheads at the time. So, But, uh, you know, I don't know if you all did. Uh, Darlington, as I told you, that was a 1950. Uh, they built the track. And you got to remember, uh, a lot of people – I've heard people talk like after Sunday's race that, well, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of passing and things. And there, they, when they built the track, you know, you could go a hundred, they built the, the cars were 
going about 120, 130 miles per hour then. It was even hard to pass them. But now, you know, on that track, they're going 170, 180 miles per hour. I mean, and it yeah. is hard to pass. And, and really it's over a small about, truck in terms of, of passing lanes. Yeah, you don't see a lot of passing until a lot of the tires and the start wearing off. And there, the tire wear is really important because uh, I, I promise you, even though Darlington's about an hour and a half from Myrtle Beach, there's actual seashells in the uh, asphalt. And, I mean, they'll just yeah, ran his hand against it. He said it, like, scraped his hand up whenever he uh, just where he cut. So the, the tire wear is really important there. And there wasn't really Sunday. There really wasn't a lot of a long green flag runs, meaning there wasn't, like, a 50-lap. There was a lot of cautions, kind of like tonight. And those stages, yeah. too, kind of causes that, too. But, uh you could you couldn't really see track position was really important, like who got out of the pits first, and you couldn't really see who had the better car over a long run because of all the cautions. But anyways, uh, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. Sometimes, sometimes you get a good race, sometimes you get a bad race, just like in basketball or football. Sometimes you get a great game, yeah, sometimes I mean, you get a bad game. And, and the tracks, of course, all play into it. Like, I mean, there's some races that even those of us who aren't really the biggest NASCAR fans, are like, ooh, that should be a good one. Um, you know, Talladega, Daytona are always good normally. Bristol's a fun one. Um, yeah. I always like Pocono. I, I, that, to me, that was a sleeper track. Um, there, there's some good they ones. Just, uh, I think they just announced that they, that one's been cleared to uh, hold races, I believe. I just well, that'd be good. Yeah, and I think this year they're going to have a double header there, like have a race yes. on Saturday Gov- and a race yeah. on Sunday. Go- Governor opens door to races at Pocono without fans. That was two days ago. That was mon- that was Monday. So, well, that should turn out pretty good then. Uh, it'd probably be fun. But uh, again, you know, hey, I'm glad NASCAR's back. It's something to to look forward to on Sunday when you're trying to kick back. Um, you know, because right now it's just golf reruns and replays of old football and basketball games. Which, I mean, sometimes that's all right, but most of the time you remember at least these are new. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about though before we get off the NASCAR race was. The interviews were hysterical (laughs) just because you got Elliot Sadler, who was a racer in his own right, and he's got his mouth covered with, you know, as he should with the mask, and he's interviewing these guys over by their cars. Well, he's about 10 feet away, and they're using a boom mic to reach over and and interview whomever. Maybe I think it was Clint Boyer they were interviewing the first one I saw, and this is kind of what you got out of it. Here's what you hear. Well, Clint... How's everything looking on the car? Well, Elliot, you know, we we, we want to we, we think it's going to run good today here at at the raceway, and uh, you know, we're hoping to get good track position and the tires. And if we got to make a chassis adjustment, you know, we'll we'll go in and do that. Clint, we thank you for your time. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that. <laughs> Sounds like he's ordering in a drive-through. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he was so far away, that, and I get why he had to be, but it was just comical to see. And I'm sitting there going, "Well, he can't read his lips. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do this." Couldn't, but couldn't, yeah, couldn't, that was just couldn't rig up a couldn't rig up a set of headphones with a mic for the guy. <laughs> couldn't, they couldn't they couldn't manage that. I had it's just <laughs> comical. I, I I saw it and I was like, <laughs> "This is pretty funny." But it was yeah, it was, weird that Harvick won the race. And he won his 50th race. And real quick, you know, when Dale Earnhardt died, Kevin Harvick went into his car, and he's 
yeah. slowly but surely. I mean, he became a champion. But he, winning 50 races, that's kind of like a big plateau. And, you know, he's a sure bet Hall of Famer. And it's, it was cool to see him win his 50th race. But it was it was kind of weird. He was talking about – I thought it was cool of him to talk about how he missed the fans. And, uh, you know, he was honoring one of his – I think his doctor, he put his name over his name on the car. And uh, then whenever he My doctor, to, Dr. Really Billy Bobby. Whenever, when he went to Victory Lane, it was just him, the car, and the trophy. <laughs> yeah. So. It's weird. It's weird. We're well, you know see, what? But well, we might as well get used to it because we're going to see a whole lot more of it. Yeah. In yeah. other sports, too. Yeah. Because you think NASCAR be is weird without fans. You just wait till we start seeing football and basketball without fans. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, there was an update today. Uh, college. College athletics have been given the, a green light. They're allowed to go out and uh, to uh, they've approved voluntary athletic activities to begin. So it looks like we may get some college football after all. So we're waiting to see about that. Lord, um, and here's another update. The NBA uh, player return rule should be out by June 1st. So it looks like we're going we're gonna to pick up where we left off with the NBA season if everything goes according to plan. So we'll have to wait and see. But it looks like, gentlemen, we are on the horizon here. We're looking out, and there will be sports coming back on down the line here. So looks like we're so going to get you, football. We might so get to finish the basketball you, season. What do you think of the story that uh, Disney World is going to host the, the NBA? I don't care where it's hosted. I just want to see it. I just want to see some basketball. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I just want to see some basketball. Do you, do you all agree with Shaq that there, this will be an asterisk if they do resume the season? Well, I mean, well, as much as a why? as much as a shortened season would be, I think. Yeah, well, of some why, sort. Though, if, they, if they play all the games, it's not like anybody's got an advantage or disadvantage, really. I mean, everybody had to miss. Uh, I mean, I guess because of the stoppage, I suppose, but. Is winning the title going to be any easier somehow that it doesn't count? I mean, yeah, I think, but it doesn't matter. I think, I think it will have an asterisk beside it just because you're looking at something that, you know, of course, momentum is stopped. I don't know. They'll, they'll be, uh, you know, again, shortened seasons have asterisks beside of them too. You know, everybody's like, well, they you won the championship in a shortened season. What? But still, winning the championship is winning the championship. Old players have just got to learn to start to shut up. I'm getting tired of reading every day, like, I guess now Paul Pierce. Oh, LeBron's not even in the top five players of all time. I, really? Well, Really? I think he is. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Really? Because if he isn't, who is? No, I mean maybe you maybe can make that argument. I just don't give a shit what Paul if you're gonna say that. To say if you're it. gonna say that, you need to come out with with names and you need to give you, me reasons yeah, why. You better come. You better bring. You better bring the heat when. <laughs> bring the heat. Uh, you better bring hey, the oh. heat when you. Yeah, when you decide to say something like that, you can't just say. You know, I don't like him, so he's not in the top five. I'm, I'm, I'm just yeah. getting tired of these and and unasked. That's the worst part. When it's just like, hey, I, I, I looked at the sports page, haven't seen my name there for a while. Uh, let me say something controversial. Uh, like Horace Grant. I, yeah, I mean, same <laughs> same thing. I mean, I don't care who it is. 
I don't want to hear it from Michael Jordan either. Your opinion about current state of basketball is irrelevant. You don't play anymore. Well, unless they're asked, because a lot of people ask. Okay, if you're asked, that's different. But just yeah, because you decide you need some some prints, some ink in the prints, I, I I just don't care for it. I'm getting tired of these guys coming out with their opinions that they can't back up. But anyway, well. Well, at home, you're probably getting tired of sitting around being lonesome. So what you need to do is go visit our friends at stripcamfun.com, and they'll help keep you wound up and ready to go. And uh, go check them out. It's stripcamfun.com. Let's hear from them. Are you tired of the same old average, everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On Strip Cam Fun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. It's StripCamFun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. And again, thanks to our great sponsors at StripCamFun.com. I know what you're thinking. There was supposed to be some sports trivia this week. Well, let me tell you what happened. Blame Canada. Here's what Canada gets. Well, let's let's get let's lift let's pull back the curtain a little bit though. All right, pull back. I'm in the shower. Canada will. Oh, I made the other curtain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ! Close that curtain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's curtain nobody needs um, to see. Canada will take the blame, but in full disclosure, Canada got a little carried away, and the game is kind of turning into a, well, we, we got audio clip, we got potential video clip on the wide men uh, Twitter, although I don't know how that's going to work, I might have to talk to you about that. Um, <laughs> we, we got the... You trying uh, to make like video day. daily doubles and shit? Yeah, instead of the uh, daily double, we've got the uh, bogus bonus. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so, you know, this thing's taking on – I mean, I think ESPN might be calling. They might want to put this on the air because it's going to be well, great. I do want to send a big hello to Bobby Blaze, who I talked to the other day. He's doing well. Um, Bobby was out in one of our T-shirts, and somebody apparently uh, thought it was a Ramones T-shirt. Uh, cool. But we're cooler than the Ramones because uh, most of who us the are hell still are, alive. Uh, anyway, who they even are who are they? The Ramones. Uh, they want to be the, sedated. They were on the Archies, weren't they? <laughs> oh wait, that's the. <laughs> Good lord. Anyways, Can no, I, I actually some... like the Ramones. <laughs> I shouldn't say I, negative I'm things. Okay with them. Let's talk some goats. Let's do it. Greatest of all time. A lot of people say LeBron, a lot of people say Michael Jordan, and we're talking basketball here. We're not talking about football, where my quarterback, Tom Brady, would be considered the GOAT. Uh, We're talking about the... uh, What? He's done a complete 180 on Tom Brady. He used to be the assistant quarterback, and now he's the greatest ever, which I agree with. That's my quarterback, man. 
<laughs> no, no, okay. no. You guys are poor. You guys at best are leasing Tom Brady. He's not. Well, it, better to lease Tom Brady <laughs> than to never have Tom Brady at all. Your quarterback is, well, the list is long and undistinguished. <laughs> I'm about to say, it's very long and very unimpressive. We'll start with Sean King and work our way up. All right, let's talk about it. LeBron, Jordan, it's always a heated debate topic. Um, I have a feeling where the three of us are going to go, so it probably won't be a huge debate, but it's fun to throw it out there. I always said we'd never do this, but episode 132, we break the rules. Screw it. Okay, first thing is, though, that's a caveat to all this. I think it's really important that uh, you had to, to have a real opinion about this. I think you actually had to have seen them both play. A lot of young people go to... A lot of young people immediately go to LeBron, and I understand that because he's their guy, or Kobe to some degree, because that's who they watched. They didn't really see Jordan play. To him, to them, he's an old guy. And I get that to some degree. But that being said, I don't even think it's a discussion, to be quite honest. LeBron is a great player. I won't dispute that at all. No argument there. He ain't Michael Jordan, though. Nobody's Michael Jordan. That's a, yeah. he's in a, He is in a league all of his own, and the only stat that matters is six out of six. That's the only one that counts. It's the only one that means anything. You can talk about, oh, yeah, but LeBron once got 42 against these guys. Don't care. Six out of six. There's, there's no argument you can give me that's going to defeat that, except seven out of seven, and that ain't happening anytime soon to anybody. So, yeah, done. Next. Uh, same here. Number 23 for Chicago Bulls. I mean, uh, head of, you know, it's just, I think LeBron has some catching up to do with some other players before uh, you even consider him and Jordan in the same breath, really. So, you know, that's my take. I think there's several I mean, he's. I still think he's got some stuff, that, things to accomplish before even it should be even considered. So, uh, I don't like to debate it either. But I've watched both, and uh, Nathan, I know you've watched both a little. I know, you, I know Jordan was kind of at the twilight of his career once you started to get to really understanding basketball and things. But. Yeah, I mean, I caught, you know, I caught the second run of Jordan. I was a, a younger kid. Uh, but, you know, I still remember Michael – I still remember where I was when he made that last shot, and there was nobody like him. Um, and I know a lot of people were saying, well, there was nobody like LeBron. And you're right. Like, I, I, And the way I break this down, I look at LeBron. LeBron is the greatest player of this generation right now. Um, I don't think LeBron is as great as Jordan. And here's my reasoning. And you can – you know. Stats are important, and, and again, this is an opinion. People want to say, well, I've got these stats, and I've got these stats, and i got these stats. Look, it's all opinion. There's no way to prove it because Jordan and LeBron, I think if Jordan and LeBron in their primes played a game of one-on-one, I think LeBron would take him in a game of one-on-one. Why do I think that? Because LeBron James is, is maybe one of the most impressive athletes I've ever seen. LeBron is built like a brick shit house. He can do things with his body that are impressive. But LeBron, to me, is... LeBron doesn't have that killer instinct. 
LeBron doesn't have that, you know, I'll I'll do whatever. I don't care what it is to win. I'll take the LeBron last does, shot. <laughs> well, yeah, LeBron's not, you know, it, you you ask LeBron who's taking the, who's taking the last shot and you know, LeBron said, "Well, you know, Kyrie might be open or you know, if Ray <laughs> Allen's over there in the corner or you know, something like that." No. Like it, it's all about mentality. If I was going to build an athlete from scratch, it'd probably look like LeBron James because LeBron James is a physical specimen. However, I think LeBron James would have to get a lot mental, a lot more mentally tough, and would have to be able to take a lot more punishment than he if he played in Jordan's era. I think LeBron would not have had a long of career if he played in Michael Jordan's era. Hand checking was still a thing. You weren't getting every ticky-tack foul call. Now, you would get foul calls, don't get me wrong, but you're not going to get every foul call. LeBron's played in an era where he hasn't had to deal with dominant centers. Michael Jordan played in an era where Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Shaquille O'Neal, some of the greatest centers and big men of all time. Anybody watch Shaq in 1995 and 1996? He was a monster. There was nobody like him. He could still move. He was agile. He could jump. He broke rims. He broke backboards. And what did Michael Jordan's Bulls do? Swept them. I mean, it's just one of those things where he had a mentally tough attitude, and Michael Jordan was willing to sacrifice his body and himself to do whatever it takes, whereas I don't think LeBron James has gotten to that level. I've seen LeBron James quit. During a game, I've seen LeBron James take take plays off. Yeah, I have never in big seen games. Michael Jordan quit. No, not and you once. Won't. Like Jordan was one of those guys that you know he would find a way anyhow. It didn't matter. He found a way. He did. I'm going to argue that I'm going to. I'm not even going to put LeBron number two. I'm going to put Kobe ahead of LeBron. Well, I mean, I, I I, that's that. for, yeah. for the very for the very reason that we put Jordan ahead of him. Kobe, I, I don't think LeBron hates to lose. I think as long as LeBron's name comes out untarnished, I think LeBron's okay with it. If the brand isn't too bruised up, I don't think he minds that much. Whereas, you know, Kobe Bryant would have just assumed knifed you in the back is lost, and Jordan wouldn't even knife you in the back; he would have knifed you in the front. <laughs> you know, Kobe was a great player, and Kobe was. And, and the reason why Kobe doesn't get the love that I think Kobe deserves is because Kobe's game was so similar to Michael's, and he came so close to when Michael played. I think that's where well, Kobe he, kind of kind of loses his luster. He loses a bit of rub because he also played with Shaq. He did, and there was a, and of course there was a lot more controversy with Kobe because of his quote attitude, and you know the whole. You know, I don't, I don't want to play this guy. This is my team. Whereas, you know, as we were in the infancy of social media, whereas Michael didn't have that yeah, to deal I mean, with. Maybe, maybe things would have yeah, been different knows? if we would have been hearing about Michael doing and saying what he I mean, did you, to some teams. I don't know. You can't compare eras. It's it's impossible. But that being said, yeah. if you put Le, if you put LeBron James with the attitude that he had and the shit he's pulled with coaches and, and moving around and all that, he wouldn't have played back then. 
he'd have pulled, he'd have got drafted by Cleveland and tried to pull the shit he pulled in Cleveland back then, and he'd have just rotted away there. They wouldn't have uh, got rid of coaches and let him go to a different, you know, or let's bring in all these guys for him and all that stuff. It wouldn't have happened. And that's the thing that I think people overlook is look at Jordan. After watching this documentary, look at guys like Jordan, Pip, and all these guys, especially Jordan. They hated Jerry Krause. I mean, do you think we could say they hated Jerry Krause? Maybe not hated, but they they really didn't care that much. They wouldn't have, they, they, they wouldn't have missed him. If he hadn't have been yeah. there, they wouldn't have missed him. Yeah, like they weren't, they weren't going to dinner with each other. No. What did they do? What did that team do? They rallied together and they played anyway. They said to hell with it. I don't care what the general manager says. We're still going to win just despite him. Whereas, look at LeBron James. He tucked tail, he ran. He didn't like David Blatt, he got David Blatt fired. He wanted Mike Brown. Mike Brown didn't work out. Tyrone Liu, you know, that didn't work out. You know, you got LeBron who's making more decisions now. And, of course, Jordan had some influence on the general manager role, too, and the coaching role. But Jordan got Phil, and Jordan liked Phil after a while. He had to adapt to Phil. He didn't just look at Phil and say, okay, I don't like you. You're you're telling me to pass the ball when I'm a scorer. He didn't like that, but he adapted. He was an adult. He was a grown man. He didn't go whine and complain. He didn't demand that we get a new coach. He said, I'm not. I'm leaving if we don't get a new coach. No. And that, to me, is where some levels of free agency have hurt LeBron's legacy. Him leaving Cleveland to come back and then leaving again. Well, I can. It's going to hurt I his can legacy. See, uh, like with if, if it's LeBron James. And the coach says, well, we got this, this Tony Kukoc guy over here who we really want to bring in because we really think he's great. LeBron, quite possible. I mean, maybe not, but I could easily see LeBron going, you know what? No, you're not. I don't like him. I don't want him here. And management now would go, oh, all right. And they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Again, it, of course, you know, this is all opinionated, and I knew we well, would all sure. agree. Okay. And we've I mean, all there watched. Again, not taking anything away from the other guys. There's no, been, no. I mean, I, mean, I think Larry Bird has a, has a place on this list. I think yeah, I mean, Magic Johnson. I think Johnson. Oscar Robinson. There's um, all kinds of guys you can put on that top. But LeBron is up can, there. Shaquille O'Neal, Will Chamberlain. To we've got there's enough. There's one possession left, and you need a basket. And you can only pick one guy to take that shot. Who do you want? Well, I kind of look at it like this. If I'm starting a franchise, a basketball franchise, with any player in any time, in any history of any game for the NBA, and I get to pick one guy to start him out for his rookie career and play him all the way through, who am I taking? I'm taking Michael Jordan. Well, Bogus, of course. You're taking a 20-year-old Ed Bogus and an 18-year-old Tom Robinson. Well, you know, I I can't do that because that's just unfair. But I think the uh, 2011 NBA Finals will always be inexcusable, forever be inexcusable for LeBron. They should have never lost that series. Nope, shouldn't have. LeBron has had instances in his career where he has not shown up. Right, and and it's not because he's not a great player, because he is a great player. So if that's not the case, then I have to look at well, then why why? All right, mentally not that tough. I don't think anybody would argue that. Um, I think you could easily make the argument at least later on in his career 
that he's much more interested in his life after basketball than he is about what's going on during the season. Um, Because he's already very much preparing for LeBron, Mr. Hollywood. Um, And not that I necessarily blame him for that, but still. I mean, Michael Jordan only cared about basketball and nothing else. Well, maybe golf. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he cared that much about golf. He played about betting on golf. Uh, he kind of cared okay. about that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's been I you know, this has been a great show. We're we're right at the the two hour mark now, so I think this was a good time, and I think this is a good place to kind of wrap it up. Um, next week, I guess we're going to have some sports trivia. <laughs> we are not going to guess. It's going to be monumental. We'll have to talk about okay. it a bit, but it, it, it's going to be awesome. Get your thinking okay. caps on, boys, because I'm not right. going easy on you. Ain't going to be no okay. no soft, pillowy questions. Like, you know, right. who, uh, who led the league in 1942 with ERA and what were their ERA? None of that shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll more than likely, uh, Tim and I will try and discuss Dark Side of the Ring a little bit. I know I've been kind of teasing that for a while, but it season finale happened last week, or excuse me, yesterday. And uh, ended on a, a – it was a great series, great season for that show. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we're getting closer to sports. We'll probably talk a little NASCAR. Jeff will be back. Who knows what kind of insight he will bring, as always. Our man Jeff, the unofficial third man of the wide men group since uh, TR has been hit or miss lately. Jeff is in. We've given him, uh, we've given him one of those, what, like they do in the NBA, one of those, like, you know, 12-day contract the, kind of thing. The two, we, we, <laughs> Jeff's on a two-way contract. <laughs> 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 but uh, we we oh, always man. enjoy him being here, and uh, who knows what else we may have? Could have a, a talk with Stephen P. New. Could have anything. Who knows? I don't. We'll play it by ear. But we will be back next week. And by the way, if you haven't found out, we are now on Spotify. White men can't jump. Continue. Exactly. We're on Spotify. If you're listening to us and you prefer Spotify, you can now listen to us on Spotify. Head over to Spotify. Check us out. Show some love. Again, we're on not only on Spotify. We're still on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and any other place you can think in the known universe to download a podcast. I think we're there. Jeff uh, anything else, Jim? Uh, yes, Jeff is the be... reason. We told him no, Caller yeah. Jeff would be on for Demand a month it. to talk Michael Jordan basketball and Spotify yeah. immediately showed yeah. up with their clothes off and said, please give it to us. So they, we did. And they, put us, and they put us on ESPN 37 now because of the Jeff. Yes. The Jeff, Trenta, the Jeff 30 y 7. <laughs> Satana El Sporte Presente. White men that can't jump. <laughs> with your host, Armando Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> Where every other joke. word is punto, yeah, which is an inside joke. So don't feel bad <laughs> if you didn't laugh. But anyway, let's uh, get the hell out of here. Brought boys. to you by Stevan P. Nueve. <laughs> I don't even think that's <laughs> new. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. been too long of a day. All hey, right, Jeff, everybody. Uh, <laughs> El Jefe. Gringo Jeff. Gringo Jeff. <laughs> Gringo Jeff. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in. We're sorry for getting oh, goofy okay. at the end. Hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, guys, don't hang up. We'll we'll talk a little bit. Don't hang up the phone just yet. 
Again, that's why men can't jump. Tim, send us. Actually, you know what? Screw you, Tim. Jeff, send us home. It's been a long, long way to Tipperary. I'll Jeff doesn't that. know how to send us home. All right, we're going <laughs> to. We're out Buy of here. chips. Buy chips. Hey, wait, wait. Hey, hey, I got it. I got it. All right, Jeff's got it. All right. Sometimes I dream that he is me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I can't top that. Good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this broadcast on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com. Slash Wide Men Can't Jump. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wide men can't jump for more exclusive content only available to our Patreon members. You can find this program and others like it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and more. Just search Wide Men Can't Jump. Thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Stripcampfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at Facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, and Stay Classy Meats, where you can check them out at StayClassyMeats.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Follow us on Twitter at WideJump, and be sure to keep up with all the content that's being posted there. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Wide Men Radio Network.